Hello and welcome to this episode of The Run-In. We have got a fantastic interview with Mark Saunders and Alice Bedwell coming up. They are big uh, part of orienteering in the South of Wales and beyond with involvements in the Talent South squad as well. So we're going to chat to them about that and they'll give us some insight on the, the JK and the British champs coming up too. Uh, first of all, Will, you were up in Scotland, I think, uh, last uh, the weekend for Sprint yep. Scotland. I was indeed, how yeah. Was, how was that? That was intense. Um, <laughs> so knockout sprint on the Saturday followed by an individual sprint on the Sunday so knockout for anyone who's not aware now a new format coming in um, well I guess it came in last year for the European champs but it is in the world champs this year for the first time and it is essentially qualification race in the morning it was but for us this weekend it was about 12 minutes long followed by three rounds of quarterfinals semi-finals and finals in the um, spread across the late morning and afternoon so the format for Sprint Scotland was a bit different to how it will work in World Cups and World Champs. So complicated batch of uh, relegation and promotion. Exactly, and it made sure that one everyone got a race, which I think is key in the UK. Seeing as we you know it's not mm-hmm. a World Cup, you know you're not going to be kicking people out after one round. Um, and two, it kept the pressure on all the time because you knew if if someone got relegated from the A into the B they were probably just going to race really hard to ensure that they were going to get in and so you could every single round was fast and the tactics were take it out hard take it out fast and it was just full go all the time um yeah pain lots of pain lots of lactic acid and um good racing as well good head-to-head racing I think in every single round in every single heat whether it was a b or c in both the women's and the men's um it looked tight and it was it was aggressive um, and it was really, really good fun. It it looks amazing. The terrain looks look pretty good, like classic kind of Scottishy housing estate stuff, uh, which I guess yeah. is not too dissimilar to what we'll get in Denmark in the World Champs. And yeah, it just looked head to head. You say intense, aggressive. You are we we the victim of some aggression, <laughs> Will. <laughs> um, or were you the one it, dishing it out? I, I I would say I dished out my fair share. Um, so it, it's everyone, not meant to be a contact sport it's not meant to be a contact it turned into a big contact sport so in the men's A quarterfinal um, that was so it went it, the order of being set off was A, B and C so the A would go first and some of the controls weren't woken up so it turned into a bit of SIA oh. contactless was attempted people overshot and had to come back so it was just a massive clash oh. of people head to head into each other ouch um into the control, scrabbling around to punch it and all that kind of stuff. So that got quite a lot of people quite stressed, I think, in that first round. And there was a lot yeah. of elbows, argy-bargy, that kind of thing. I was finding it really quite funny <laughs> by how stressed people were getting, and including me. I but was you love stressed. the head-to-head racing, though, Will. Like, that's what yeah. you really like. So, yeah. yeah. So it, it suited me down to the ground, I think, and it was, it was really good fun. Um, it was... You did have to make some aggressive moves because everyone was, what well, I found that anyway, everyone was quite even on pace. So you had to either, to move up the group, you really had to surge and attack or you had to be quite aggressive with cornering or going downstairs or things. So I threw in a few rogue moves when I, in the semi-final, I overshot a gap when I was in, I think, second or third place relatively early on in the in the semi and had to then kind of catch back up to the group. And then to try and move up, I was kind of, jumping five sets of stairs down to kind of chop people and then corner 
so it's getting quite <laughs> aggressive in that way um but also because you're trying to keep people behind because you know that if essentially you can't you won't be able to take the, the finish shoot was so short and we mm. use the same last control each time for for all of the rounds including the quality so you knew roughly okay I, I know which control i'm coming into for the finish and i'm not gonna the, the finish shoot was only about you can't overtake people maybe. running yeah exactly yeah. or if or if you did i got dipped actually on the line by um johnny crickmore in the semi i think we came up with the same individual time but then he was in one place oh no it's the quarterfinal so he got the automatic spot over me for the for going into the mm. semi-final um but luckily we were all fast enough faster than the heat behind us um for me to still qualify through fine but it, mm. it was very, it wasn't happening a lot where people were getting out kicked on that final stretch so you really had to be aggressive and make sure no one was coming past you early on so that the elbows definitely came out people got aggressive in keeping people <laughs> behind making themselves really big um i think everyone had just been watching drive to survive in the week before well and also you've got to you, it shows you can't overtake by speed you've got to overtake by orienteering or not yeah. get overtaken by doing orienteering basically yeah absolutely and that was happening there was a lot there were actually quite more than i was expecting because it wasn't gaffled it wasn't forked and it was a lot more than I was expecting where people were choosing different mm. routes. Um, so I think on the semi-final, there was like, well, it, on the final, there was easy first control and then it split into a big route choice and immediately it just splintered and people went different ways. <laughs> and then everyone ended up at the, se- at the next control at exactly the same time, despite taking like three different routes or something. So it was quite different. Um, so you had, yeah, you had to make a choice to try and get ahead by doing something. Yeah by doing a different control so it was a uh, super intense um yeah really good fun really good fun and what about the individual then as well uh on the sunday uh that was an absolute shocker that was <laughs> um so oh, that no. was that was for i feel like quite for for a bit of bad luck really um uh so it was a very steep hillside um, for half of the course and then back into housing estate for the second half. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a different course in terms of what normal sprints are in terms of the, the amount yeah, of Yeah, so the first there. part was in the forest, yeah, like a forest yeah. sprint, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it, fr- it threw your mind off quite a lot. Um, and the first two controls were downhill, down quite steep, slippery beechwood. Um, it's on uh, the observatory in Dundee. And uh, I fell on the way down to the second control and completely shredded my map into like two or three different pieces and Ooh. had to then spend the rest yeah, of the course help, piecing it, it together um, to, uh, to actually navigate. So I got to the finish and then immediately I, I, I saw the um, uh, John Cross head of selection panel and uh, the new coach, um, Bernie, the new head performance manager, and kind of stuck both of my hands through my map and could, <laughs> could wave at them through the holes <laughs> in the map. So my hands fitted through the A4 piece of paper quite easily. Oh, God. Um, so I did that on control number two, which made the rest of the course, there was one section of like three controls that weren't affected. And on those, I did quite well. And the rest of it was just like, I couldn't see gaps. I couldn't like, tell where the fastest route was because it was just torn up. And, and then I chose, a, because of that, I chose a terrible route like coming back on this big, huge long leg. And um, I think Sasha Chaplin started behind me by a minute. And uh, he, we, we crossed each other very similar places where I saw um, Nathan Lawson who started a minute ahead of me. So I was like, oh, okay, it's similar times, you know, we're all quite even. Mm-hmm. And then he caught me at that control. I was like, oh, this is just, you know, it's gone, it's done. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a, bit, <laughs> a bit of a shocker. That but is one hell of a story. Time. 
Yeah, I would that say, is one I, I, hell of a yeah. story, Will. You're going to have to remember that for many years and bring that one out because that is so so rare. Yeah, it was. I've never I've never seen a map quite like it. You get it in forest systems, don't you? You rip one small hole or something like that, but not the mm. way mm. that it just kind of. I think I fell into a into a tree and it kind of got <laughs> spiked and the spike again. I was and then my <laughs> compass went through it and all this kind of stuff. So. Only me, only only me. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it was still a fun race. Yeah, it was still a fun race. Good weather all weekend and everything like that. But it was pretty frustrating, to be honest. Mm. But, you know, yeah, my good. god. And those are selection races for what? For champs? For for the World Cup. So it's those two oh, races: so the knockout and the sprint, and then um, the JK sprint selection for the World Cup round. And then the World Cup will pick the box team. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right, let's um, move on then to our main interviews for today, uh, and we're, then we're going to come and talk a little bit more about uh, the British champs in a bit. Um, so, without further ado, let's hear our chat with Mark and Alice. So welcome, Mark, and welcome, Alice, to the podcast. I've done a short introduction for you, but why don't... I probably missed off a whole load of things that you do just because you're kind of all involved in all sorts of parts of orienteering. So why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about all the different ways you're involved in the sport? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> lots, of, lo- lots of different ways. So I guess uh, we're just, uh, we've been orienteering for 40... 45 years no, sure, no. no 40 40 years 40 a bit more than 40 years yeah. uh yeah and, and what we do now we're involved in coaching coaching the worst junior squad we're working on with talent south as part of the talent squad uh we we do a lot of planning controlling um and we've got all the Spock kit in our shed. All the, all the South Wales orienteering <laughs> kit lives in our shed. So at the moment, he's busy getting all of that ready for the for the JK, making sure we've got everything in tip-top shape and ready for that. Uh, and then just yeah, helping, do, do, do a lot of helping with South, South Wales orienteering and more occasionally with Bristol. Bristol is our sort of like competitive club that we run with. That's where we started orienteering. But we live in Wales and we've lived in Wales for... A long time since we left university really um so, yeah. i i don't know the story of how you both got both got into orienteering tell me that we started at, we started at bristol university uh we'd met each other already i'd and this is the, this is this is interesting it is a bit, this is the power of media and the importance of, of it, you know the type of work you do catherine <laughs> but what i've it was well i've got this recollection that in 1976 the World Orienteering Championships were in Scotland. And there was a television programme that Chris Brasher put together mm. that was shown on TV, I think, actually in the winter, I think in the sort of Christmas break or something between Christmas and New Year. And so that, that was when orienteering first came into my consciousness. I was a, a, you know, a, a scout, at, you know, when I was a, a, a youngster and did a bit of cross-country running, but never at any great level. And my awareness of orienteering was from that program. And then when I got to Bristol University at Freshers' Fair, or who was orienteering, and it was just one of those things, oh, I'd quite like to have a a go at that. And then 40 years later, here we are, still orienteering. (laughs) They haven't managed to get rid of you. (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) 
Oh, that's really great. And do you remember your like first orienteering events? It was Ashton Court, so the very local Bristol event. So we went round together, and hmm. I don't think we got too lost and had too many arguments. But... Yeah. yeah, it can't have been too bad an experience because you're because you're still here and you're mm. still doing the still doing the sport. Do yeah, you have so, a... no, so mm. you know, after that we started going with U Block? Well, basically every weekend we were sort of instantly addicted. I think. <laughs> Yeah, it was the, you know, it's the usual thing, isn't it? It's weekends away. And in those days, it was much easier for student clubs to be able to take a minibus. And Alice did a PhD at Bristol, and so she was then old enough to drive the minibus. And... Old enough, but not competent. <laughs> so, we, we, <laughs> so, you know, it just, just became part of what we did. And, you know, neither of us were particularly good or particularly fit to start, made loads of mistakes and so on. And then... Uh, decided we needed I needed to get a bit fitter and thought right we'd better start doing a bit of running and you know you just gradually got better Alice you got better quicker than I did didn't you <laughs> yes <laughs> don't know why <laughs> and that and knack to it I think it's a, I think it's a hard skill to pick up as an adult having known several people who've who've started as an adult it's you know, I think I think starting at me starting as a child, I take it for granted just how you know that you do that progression quite slowly. You know, whites into yellows, and you're doing the parents, but it's just quicker to I don't know. It seems quicker to pick up that skill. I can I can remember. I must have been orienteering for about twenty years or something, and we had a, a meeting with. Um, it must have been all the coaches, the squad coaches, getting together. So uh, Derek Allison, who was whatever he was, performance director at that time, or head of coaching, or whatever. And we had to do an introduction and I introduced myself still and I still saw myself as a, a newbie to the sport because I hadn't wasn't one of those who'd come through as a as a young, you know, as, mm. a, as a as teenager. And of course, they all laughed at me because they said, but how long have you been orienteering? He was oh, yeah, 20, 20 years. years. <laughs> but he was still that, you know. Yeah, there's, there's still there's still a feeling of like you've joined it slightly later on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, of all the things like planning, helping events, like coaching, is there one of those that is your favourite? Oh, gosh. Do you want to answer that one? Or... I don't know. And it obviously <laughs> different for both of you, maybe. Trips with the juniors, you know, some mm. of the coaching camps I really enjoy, just when you suddenly get to know them a bit better and, yeah. And I quite enjoy the planning aspects, just being out in the forest and whether that's planning exercises and planning things you're going to do, you know, training exercises you're going to do or planning courses, you know, when you're putting on an event or whatever, that process, the sort of the puzzle element, trying to create an interesting course or whatever. And then the, the time spent out in the forest, out or out in the sand dunes or moorland or whatever, when you're, you know, exploring these places and trying to work out how the, you know the best way to make use of them so you know i enjoy that aspect particularly i think yeah it can be definitely a puzzle to solve especially yeah. a if you've got a really good area and you're trying to still make the most of it but if you've got a kind of averagey area and you're like i want to still make sure that every orienteer that goes around this has a decent yeah, yeah, experience exactly. of this yeah exactly yeah yeah definitely um obviously i've got to know you a bit more through um talent south recently which has had its first year proper this year we're just coming up to a whole load of junior selection races and we had this big big zoom meeting the other night um going through geeking going through a whole load of maps with a whole load of juniors who are who are interested in 
who are aiming to do well, whatever that means for them at these selection yeah. races yeah. and to 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 try and perform to their best ability. Um, and you guys lead the the Talent South section of, of all the these new junior squads. Yeah. Um, we did you volunteer to do this? Were you asked to do this? Why why is it something you you guys wanted to do? <laughs> we volunteered. It was I mean it was advertised on yeah. the on the uh, website. But obviously before then, because I was part of the, the the working group that reviewed the sort of setup and recommended the new structure, obviously I felt <laughs> a certain amount of skin in the game to say, right, well, we've suggested that this is how we ought to do these things. So if there's a certain feeling of obligation, but you want to make it work and get it going and so on. Um, it's not something that I, I particularly want to do forever or should do forever, if you see what I mean. But obviously I'm keen that we... You know, especially in the early days, you know, it's quite a change, and and that we get get you know get it up and running in a, in a way that's sustainable and, and and can have legs for the future. So, how has it changed for people who don't know how the system works? Like, how did the old system work, and how does this new Talent South oh, system gosh. work? Uh, I mean, <laughs> in a nutshell, the thing evolved over the years, so. Uh, but the, the talent squad had got to a situation where it was because of lack of funding and, and so on, it became a bit more focused on fewer and fewer people. It, and this and this is, you know, my perception of it, if you sort of mean, but it became quite focused and had a great deal of success. It, you know, if you actually look at the Jaywalk results and so on. So from that measure, uh, great deal of success. It's been in the most recent years that we've had our best ever Jaywalk res results, not just the women's relay but you know you, you look at the, the the boys teams the men's teams as well uh, so by that measure it, it's, it's been doing brilliantly um but it was much more focused and some people had the feeling it was becoming a bit separate from the rest of the orienteering community um and perhaps by the measure of how many of those people then went forward to to you know, become world championship medalists or, or, or whatever, maybe it wasn't quite as successful. Um, and how many stayed in the sport? And how many stayed in the sport? Um, and so, I don't know if you remember back in, or oh, was it 2019, we sort of launched, this review was launched mm. and mm. we did a big consultation. Uh, there was something like 200 responses to the questionnaires we put together, which was absolutely brilliant because that yeah, just that's the, the scale of, mm. you know, we consider the size of volunteering in, 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 in the UK, just the interest in, in, in the, the talent pathway and, 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 and you know, what, what we're trying to do. Uh, inevitably, of course, different people have different views. You never get everybody, you know, orienteering is a choice of different route choices, isn't it? So, yes, a, a sport of different route choices. So everyone's got different views about the way to do things. But even so, there was quite a consensus about, what, what we'd want to uh, try to do. And one of the recommendations was for this key group of, shall we say, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds to rather than immediately narrow down to just, I can't remember what the numbers were for that. Was it uh, probably is about 20 odd at, most, yeah. at the most. We needed to actually let's try and widen that. Let's try and do much the same, um, and I use the word, 
I, I call it the curriculum, but that sounds make it sound much more boring and <laughs> educational than it really is. But or that it than it should be. But that you're trying to provide the same offering, so to speak, but to more youngsters and where possible to do more of it a bit more locally. Because again, when you've got twenty and you're doing it at a national level and you're doing a number of weekends, it's an, you know an awful lot of travel for somebody in Devon to go up to Scotland for a, a training weekend in the middle of winter. And so if we can do some of that stuff at a more local level and the southern level, then that's great. And But, you know, it's still important that on occasion we get together everybody across the nation. But um, so, so that was the sort of that was the sort of genesis of it. Um, mm, I mean, and yeah. that's only focusing, obviously, on the and I'm only talking there, the, the 15 to 18 year olds, as well as that. Then it's about thinking in terms of the, the whole structure, thinking about the uh, eight. Uh, the 18s through to the the young 21s and it was recognizing there was nothing really in place for the young 21s and so instead of having a talent squad which used as it used to be 15s to under uh, 20s saying right well actually it's a 15 to 18s which sort of makes matches the sort of the school before mm. they go away to university type yeah. time of their life and then let's try and make something happen for the when they go away to university and also what support as young 21s they need yeah because it can be really tough i mean i think we've spoken about it before in the podcast it's that yeah suddenly you're a senior but you're still developing you're still yeah. kind of gradually getting quicker getting used to the longer distances and actually you can't just go in and maybe represent the british team at the world champ straight away there needs yeah, to be yeah. some sort of development in place there as well yeah so I know, I know there's still conversations and there's things going on about trying to get some money to support that group. So I'm not au fait on the latest exactly where we are at the moment, but hopefully, you know, over the course of the next year or so, some some better things will be in place for that that cohort, for that group. Mm. So what has it physically meant then this year? That So we so kind of alluded to being more local. So now we have the Talents, Talents Scotland, Talent North and Talent South. So these three separate groups. Yeah. Apart, instead of this one individual group so what what have you been able to do with the squad then um, so we've basically done the same sort of program as the talent squad used to do mm. in terms of there being uh effectively four camps over the over the winter period so there was a november camp which looked at sort of a bit of sports science a bit, a bit of um a planning type camp as well a december camp which we did in the south, we did it. Where did we do it? In the south, we did it. That was kind of near Leith Hill, wasn't it? Somewhere. Yes, Homebury. Sorry, Hills. And we went to Shotover as well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, and so that was about basic skills. And I think even even for our top elites, it's important to keep on top of your mm -hmm. your basic skills. Uh, and then we did another camp in January, which we did, happened to do in South Wales. And by then, we were back into COVID issues and so on. But we still managed to do two days. Uh, a day on Kenvig and a day on Britain Ferry, quite contrasting areas. Mm. And then we had a four-day camp, uh, which was joint with Talent South and Talent Scotland, and that was in the Lake District. That was organised by Richard Tiley, uh, and it was over the half term, over the half term period. And some of the youngsters had the first week of their half, first week was half term, and so they they arrived on. Wednesday evening or Thursday and did four days, including the, the weekend. And then some people had the second week as half term. And so they did, arrived on the 
at the weekend and stayed till the Tuesday. So they both got four four days worth of, of mm. orienteering training. And there training. was some overlap, where, some overlap where all the three squads were actually together, which was, yeah. So 54, I think it was 54 youngsters all together, plus coaches. And again, people like, so Cat Taylor was there, for example, uh, um, as well as some of the coaches from Scotland and other Northern coaches. And uh, Will Heap, Scarlett's dad from the South. Braves. And the Braves, Peter, yeah, Peter Bray and Tom Bray. So, you know, a good, really, a really good camp that, that the youngsters really appreciated. Yeah, it really makes a team. And I think it's that what is different from, say, like when I was doing like my regional squad training to to this Talent South is the fact that it's a weekend. It's not just one day, like 10 yeah. till 3 or something, but it's a whole weekend. Why is that really important? Well, it's the social motivational aspect, exactly that. And I mean, obviously, some of their junior squads have the strength in numbers or the strength of coaches that they, you know, they are able to do weekends away and, and great if they can. But lots of the junior squads aren't able to do that. And just, as you say, have done days and so on. Uh, but it is nothing beats going away. Nothing, as you said, isn't it, Alice? Isn't it? The, yeah. the, 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 the getting to know the kids, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, getting to the kids and the kids getting to know each other. I think, like you've already mentioned, that you know one of the aims of this is to create kind of longer term athletes. A in terms of like you know world championship performance, but also just retaining juniors. Yeah. I mean, the number of conversations I've had with people on the podcast and off the podcast with about how do we retain our juniors especially kind of around 18s and 20s i mean it's 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 something we've been talking about for ages and i'm hoping this is going to be a really big thing to change that yeah i hope so i think i mean it, and it's just one piece i mean i think you need to look at you need to think about the whole thing I mean, we've already spoken about the the, the 1920s and, and provide offerings and support for the for the young 21s but it's also thinking about the fantastic work Jay Ross has done historically with the summer tours so the importance of Lag and Lear and the D-side camp and so on and that's a really you know for that social thing that's a really important thing as well as a good way of uh, reinforcing the skills and the you know just the, the technical training aspects, but the social side of things there. Um, introducing youngsters to, you know, to orienteering in Scandinavia, sort of what Nick, Nick, um, Nick Barable does with the Stockholm camera. Or, you know, when Alice and I managed to take young, slightly older youngsters to, to Gothenburg. Mm-hmm. Um, Some of them to Yukula. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's taken, amazing, amazing taken... seeing kids going to that, <laughs> seeing orienteering as a, a real sport and people yeah and loads of people do it and well and I, I i like your approach that you're not it almost seems like it it's kind of different in the way where you talk about performance and everything is that you're not expecting every athlete to be a world champion or yeah. to be a junior world champion or to have amazing success but you can frame success in getting to go to these great places and being good enough to kind of feel comfortable in this terrain and 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 actually I think you know the, the way I've seen you two lead the the talent south is that is that performance is not all about results. No, yeah, you're right. But, I mean, it is about people who want to get better and do better. It mm. is performance in that sense. 
in that that's the point of it. It is not just a social going, having yeah, fun, and all having a holiday. Yeah, yeah. It, there, it is a point to it, and you are very much trying to encourage people to be systematic about how they think about their orienteering, systematic about how and you're encouraging them to be systematic about how they think about their their athletic training, uh, systematic about how they, they think about <laughs> their lifestyle and planning for themselves and taking responsibility for how they fit in their orienteering with everything else they've got in, in their life, you know. Um, yeah, so it's, it is serious in that sense, but, uh, it, but it's also fun. And, it, you know, the two things aren't, aren't incompatible. You know, they're very much part of the same thing, you know. It's, it's the journey, isn't it? Striving to, to get better is, is the fun thing and great seeing, where it, and seeing where, where it gets you. And then if for some people that means they can get JWAT medals or World Championships medals, fantastic. You know, it's great, you know, um, but it's not the only thing. Yeah, and it's it's having fun in, in seeing that improvement and, and in recognising that improvement and getting getting appreciated, for, I think, for putting that heart, you know, yeah. the juniors feeling, you know, feeling that, what they're doing is also being noticed as well. Yeah, and the absolutely. They're putting in. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Is there anything like, you know, you've done one year proper. I'm sure you're already thinking, you've already been thinking about like what has gone well and what has gone less well. Is there anything you want to like change and improve for next year? I'm sure we will. I mean, what, in fact, I've got a meeting later on tonight with uh, with, with my Talent South, yeah. my Talent North and Talent Scotland counterparts where one of the, that's one of the things we're exactly going to be talking about. And the first thing we need to do is actually get reaction and reviews from the athletes, from parents, from um, coaches like yourself, Catherine, about, you know, your views and things. And I'm sure there are things that we want to do better. It, it, at one level, because of COVID messing everything up, <laughs> this year was all a bit of a rush and we were a bit, um, it, just getting the camps on was a lot of work. It was impressive, we to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so that became just the focus, you know, and now we want to just sort of step back a bit and say, right, well, what can, what else can we do in terms of, you know, the structure of it, other elements, which things did work well or not work well and, and so on. And I, I don't really, yeah, I'd, ra I'd rather not sort of second guess that. I'd rather <laughs> sit and listen and see what, see what other people think. And, and, mm. and we have very much and very deliberately based on what the talent squad did. And, and that, you know, the great work people like Mark Nixon and and, and Paul did, you know, historically mm. with their sort of, you know, the systematic approach to orienteering and, and thinking about that and building on that. Yes, and the extra education. Yes, and the education elements yeah, around yes. it. You know, so we had, we had a session, uh, a Zoom session with um, Rona McMillan, that was amazing. That was yeah, so was good. Great, it? Talking about when things go wrong and so on. Yeah, and, and when things go wrong in terms of, I think it's something called like injury pitfalls or like training pitfalls and, yeah, yeah. and things like that. And it was really informative and, and a personal account as well. Yeah. yeah, and just trying to encourage people to uh, to keep a balanced approach to things. That it, you know, orienteering is one part of their life. It doesn't have to be everything, you know. And we want to encourage people who, who are really keen to, 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 to succeed and, and support them, but they shouldn't feel you know, pressured that that's what they have to do to, to be a successful person, to be a successful orienteer. You know. Yeah, and that, I think, will build into the re just retaining people. I think we've seen, you yeah. know, no, anecdotally, people who, I mean, who said they, they didn't really have a life outside of orienteering. And then when 
injury hit, they really struggled and yeah. they've yeah, yeah. struggled to kind of get back into the sport. They might think, oh, they still enjoy it, but, you know, it still feels like a while off before they can yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even yeah. mentally re- resume doing the sport, which is, yeah. Um, yeah, which is really sad to hear. But I think it's, a, it's like building a, a healthier individual who I think ultimately then will end up performing better than they would yeah. if they'd only had orienteering in my in their life yeah absolutely you know the, uh, i think we, we said in the report we did if you you know an injured athlete or an ill athlete is not going to perform well he's not going to <laughs> yeah he's not going to get a medal are they you know that's no and so you equip them with the skills you know this information the the belief yeah. and everything and the yeah. the self-awareness hopefully and keeping in touch and some isn't part of it that each of those you know each of those juniors has like a a bubble mentor or a little kind yeah, of and like i think we need well. to work on that it's worked for some people it's worked okay others it's i'm not sure this worked as well as it could, could do in talent south i'm interested to see what the youngsters and the coaches make of what they've been able to do but you know there's a, there's a certain element of feeling away with some of that i think Mm. Um, so uh, how does that mental uh, uh, bubble work so what we tried to ensure is that every athlete had a what, what was the phrase um what, what was the phrase uh <laughs> but in not quite a personal coach but there was a coach who was really talking cluster to them, a, a cluster coach was the phrase, <laughs> yeah that's what it was called right yeah so they, they, yeah so that there was somebody that they were talking to about their training and reviewing things on a periodic basis uh, okay yeah mm. but you know that's that's quite a, you know the you know for a 15 16 year old that's quite a difficult thing to work you know you're trying you know, some of them are, are fine with that sort of communication and uh, you know some of them some of them are teenagers and don't yeah <laughs> they know everything already yeah. <laughs> and they don't need any help from anybody it's an interesting one yeah. um I think especially going back to the point that you just made as well uh, about the um, differentiation in like trying to make orienteering not part of not not part of the life but is not everything in life. I think there's quite a few studies recently, isn't there, about the diversification of sport as in youngsters, where you get better athletes at an older age if they do more sports, more variety, and things yeah. at those mid teenagers. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Um definitely encourage other youngsters to do other sports and so on. And, 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 and in fairness, I think actually the talent squad always did do that. If you talk to Paul and you, you uh, Grace, for example, was a footballer, wasn't she? Still is a footballer. Still is a footballer, yeah. 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 She's she representing Oxford Uni. And, and that's not something that Paul or Mark Nixon ever sort of tried to encourage her not to do. It was a recognising yeah, a really valuable thing. Um, so that's always, I think that's that, that's always, always been there. Mm. Uh, there's something went through my head. You're talking about what else, what other types of things we might want to sort of change or work on. I think I want to, as as the level four stuff builds up, the, so level four is, is, is the shorthand we use for that, that 18 to so 18, 19 to young 21s. As that structure gets in place, we need to think about how do we make these levels work together and support each other? I mean, as you saw last night on the, um, the Zoom call we did, you know, we had Megan, Ben Mitchell, we had Chris Jones, we had Ralph Street, able to, and Cecilia, to work with the level three athletes and help them with the geeking, geeking and the map geeking and so on. And so I think there's an awful lot that can be done, you know, across levels where the, the, um, 
the, the sort of, and some of it comes back to the motivational aspects, isn't it? And you're actually having role models and people who are talking about, and there's nothing like people like yourself, well, passionate young orienteers talking about orienteering to give the ideas to the, the 15, 14, 15, 16 year olds. And I think there's a huge value in that. And if we can mm. provide, provide structures and ways to enable that, that to happen, um that that would be great uh, and then yeah. the other way i think in terms of what we as the the the, the, the level three so the talent south talent scotland talent north organizing training camps and so on that there are you know exercises permissions organized controls in the forest that those guys can use to help their own training so but, but it, you know these that, these <clears> things only will come over time as we talk to each other. Yeah. Because I, I think it's quite a unique position because it's not what, especially when I was growing up, I don't seem to remember having any access to that kind of level of information as well from current internationals. Um, so I think back to when I was, a, you know, in my late junior years, I think there's definitely a disconnect between the senior group and the junior group, which this seems to be solving as well, of creating continuity of, of you can very easily get there and make that jump because you know who the people are and you can access that that knowledge from them. Whereas when I was a junior, it was certainly not yeah. that well communicated or, or you didn't have that connection. Um, and it's it's hard because as you're a you know, senior, you know, what I want is, and, and you, you know, you're now busy with your, your job light and trying to... Yeah, I've turned up 10 minutes later to this call. That's a job and work and so on with your, 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 your athletic training and so on. And so, mm. and, and that's, you know, if you had to get to this position where you can get yourself to get top tens or whatever it is at, at World Cups, et cetera, we need you to be able to have the time to focus on, <laughs> on your own training and so on. So it, it mustn't be an, an obligation or a, an extra burden or something. Mm. But, where, but, you know, some people... It, 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 they are in the position to help or provide advice or, or whatever. Um, mm. And we need to provide ways that, to make that easy to happen and not feel an obligation or a... Mm -hmm. Obviously, Zoom, whatever you think of Zoom, has, yeah, yeah. has made a huge difference. You can, you know, instead of people having to turn up to weekends, they just... another hour on Zoom. Yeah, like, like, like yeah. the session we did last night with Matt Geeking looking at the selection races, so we had Chris in Dundee, Cecilia in Bath, Ben and Megan in Swansea, and we had uh, 30 odd youngsters all over the south of England and Wales able to dial in to listen to those conversations and, and be engaged with that. And so, you know, mm. that's definitely something that Zoom and, and the, the revolution in distance learning and distant, you know, mm. video conferencing and so on has, has given us. And it means when yeah. you're when you're there at the ori at the weekend, you can like focus on the orienteering and the socialising and everything, and not all the evenings and everything. It's completely taken up with like classroom sessions. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we can do some of those classroom things or evenings, in, uh, as you say, or, or Wednesday evening or whatever, and and you know try to you know, build that continuity. And that's where we can also do stuff across the whole of the UK. So that could be the type of thing we could do. Scotland and North and, and South together, maybe. But so that, so that, that, you know, I think there's lots of ideas about ways we can develop this. Mm. Yeah. Um, what would you see as, I think that, that creates something where previously a lot of people would be doing that on their own or, 
or would only be going orienteering at weekends is probably the traditional view. Um, what's a kind of measurable, tangible thing of, okay, well, this has been success because it feels like there's going to be a lot of success for just the general quality of navigation improving across the board for that group of juniors? Ooh, just yeah. just sort of more of the level of uh, competitiveness in the in the junior races. Mm. I think you know, um, previous years, you know, there've obviously been been some very talent, you know, successful athletes, but it drops off very very quickly. So, and 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 you know, I think it's an advantage for those people if they've got more people pushing up behind. Um, yeah, so that, that that sort of level of competition, but it's not just competition, it's also then that level of support, that if there's a bigger cohort of people who are st- still engaged and interested in orienteering as well as they can, they're more likely to help organise their own training camps, you know. Um, and, and do, you know, and, and be future planners and organisers and coaches. Yeah, and... yeah, and indeed, whilst, whilst I don't think creating new planners or creating new controllers or whatever it is or new mappers is the objective of the talent pathway it is something that will inevitably i think inevitably that i hope will come out of this that actually you know many of the best planners i know are some of our elite orienteers top elite orienteers Mm. and if you look historically you know at the i mean even even uh, mapping people, so people like uh, Bilbo, Martin Bagnus, and John Musgrave, world, world championship medalists, you know, um, some of the best people and some of the best planners we've got in, in working with clubs, again, have been people who've been involved in the, the elite pathway. Um, so the more we can get more people involved in that, then I think that's a benefit to orienteering as a whole. And it's, you know, it's this trying to bring everything together. That it's, it's not, it's not a separate bubble, the elite pathway, but it is something that it, it provides a focus on excellence. And out of that, we will get more people who really do want to make sure we have good courses, make sure that, you know, like, like the work that um, Chris Smithard and um, Gigi and people do with uh, Spring Scotland, mm. for example. You know, that's one of the developments, developments that's happened in recent years is, is, is the whole sprint orienteering. And who's been at the forefront of that? Well, it's been some of these elite orienteers. And who, who you know, you look at the entry list on that, well, you see W80s and you're doing <laughs> some of those races, you know. So, it, you know, it really does... Um, it's, it's Trickle down, we, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It filters down and how, how can we work it together? Nice. I guess, you know, you, a lot of it is, um, you know, you're trying to teach something to the athletes to the juniors but i'm sure you learn a lot from them as well yeah <laughs> yes yeah, yes. yeah yeah i mean it says my own personal orienteering is only when i started coaching in in the context of the welsh junior squad that i got to state i, I think i won my first british championship as an m50 or m55 i forget something like that but that was only after i started coaching and thinking about you're talking to the athletes about how you approach particular legs or whatever it is. And suddenly, Oh, actually you, you end up doing it yourself. <laughs> you know? So yes, it definitely doesn't Well, I think we all, we've all found that. Yeah. Thing. It keeps you on your toes. Yeah. It really does. It really does. They can offer a lot of insight. Um, I want to, I want to move away from coaching slightly um, and see, can you give us a few hints um, about uh Obviously, you're based in South Wales. The JK is going to be there. 
you're you're involved in a, in a in a in a um, an amount. What can we look forward to um, at the Easter weekend? Oh, <laughs> sunshine! <laughs> <laughs> you hope. <laughs> just, <laughs> I better be the Beautiful views. Beautiful views. Uh, so, so what have we got? We got the, the sprinter at um, Swansea University in Singleton Park. So, I think that will be quite interesting sprint. I think it was very good. Uh, uh, sprint we had there was it 2014 2014 so that's a mix of urban a mix of urban and parkland and this, the transition between the two so that that should be good fun it's a, it's a lovely campus oh uh, alice has got the map there yeah. already already with a map yeah, yeah so already like doing a spot of geeking campus, but it's i just from running there before i remember it just being more interesting somehow than <laughs> just looking at the map and just I seem to remember there being a bit of a controversy around like, crossable green or uncrossable green. There's a lot of people running through hedges that they shouldn't have been running through. Well, I um, think they were crossable. They were crossable in that. They were crossable. Oh, there they you go. Crossable. Or some people not running yeah. through them then when they could have. Yeah. We're yeah, hoping that there's going to be lots of uh, clarification in the final details. This has already come up in our geeking session on yeah, Zoom yeah, the yeah. other night, the, Will. The, so we're already Chris, talking about Chris it. Phrased. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris made the map. Yeah, yeah. So he's got an insight already, hasn't he? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's the sprint. And then we're on to the terrace for the middle, and that's an open area above above the heads of the valleys road. You're at fifteen hundred feet, over fifteen hundred feet. Uh, so it really it, it can depend on the weather. <laughs> I do remember when it was first used. The very first event it was used for was August. And one of the start officials ended up in hospital with exposure. Oh. <laughs> because it was a, one of those grim, rainy days. Uh, on the other hand... We've just been up to the, well, the start for the third day today. And, and it was glorious sunshine. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that, that'll be fun. And I think, and it's a very good map as well, I would say. It's one of those... The, the first map, for, when it was originally done, was one of those maps which had every detail on it, loads of paths and... Uh, it was just a bit too fussy and well, about three years ago Ben Mitchell did a new map which is much more simplified and you can really see the, the ground shapes and you, you know you can get a view you can use it to orienteer at running pace mm. so you know that should be good fun. I really like Ben's maps and that's a good yeah. that's a good way of describing them easy to orienteer at running pace I was on one of the um like sand dunes down on Sutherland and it just it just everything kind of fitted so maybe it just worked very well with how my brain works or how yeah. I orient here because I'm sure there'll be you know people like different styles of mapping but for me personally I really liked it yeah yeah and then the long is on Pulthy which is an interesting area because it's quite varied it's an open area but there's a lot of different variation there's some tips there's a lot of in, obviously post-industrial landscape it was my working uh sorry yeah coal mining coal mine uh, uh slag heaps but also uh iron it was one of the um Blind Avon was one of the iron capitals of the world and uh, so there's a lot heritage the world site. heritage site mm -hmm. so there's lots of quite interesting different features and it's quite variable across it um the map yeah. does look good i'm i'm excited i'm excited to yeah. be there yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and again over the years that map has got him and been improved again and credit Dave Peel on yeah. that one actually. The first map we ran on was the old coal board map <laughs> <laughs> of the old tippy. So.
Yeah. And then and then a relay as well. Care went relay area. So that's another interesting. That's an old munitions plant. So lots of lots and lots of little small buildings and a little bit of woodland and quite a lot of little enclosures and, and so on. Again, absolutely fine for you know it should be fun fun relay and just hope we get some good weather. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And um, you hope you're both you're both travelling over over to the British Champs um, this weekend. Um, I don't think Will's going, but um, you guys are. Alice, you are defending champion. See, I have done I some know. research uh, ahead of doing <laughs> what feels like my first arena commentary in quite a while. So I don't know how that's going to go, but I have done a little bit of prep, found out you're defending champion. Are you ready to defend your title? Um, I hope so. I'm just getting over. I had COVID a couple of weeks ago, so um, I went up to the Lake District this weekend and I ran okay there, but still a bit worried that I'm not, not quite over. You know, still a bit tired, so uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. <laughs> mm. Have you have you had any chance to look at the area? Do you know anything about it? It's a new, it's a, you know, it's a new area to orienteering, mm. so you know, it's, there's not really much prep you can do. No, and I I. I don't do what I tell the juniors to do. I haven't really done any geeking or I've looked at the details at all. Yet. Tomorrow's task. Tomorrow's task. <laughs> it's for the car journey. It's for the car journey on the way to the yeah. to the area, right? Yeah, before you get to the arena and have to put any maps away. <laughs> we we did talk to the relay controller yesterday to so get a few hints. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and you're both, you're both running in relays as well as the individual. Yes, we are indeed, yeah. Which classes are you entered? <laughs> Whatever the captain tells us to do. <laughs> I think I, I think I'm an M six. Is there an it? Yeah, is there? It must be an M sixty class. Yes, there is. Like yeah, yeah. I think I'm running with a couple of the other Bock old gets mm. in an M sixty class and. You know this. She's not sure. We always say we're always happy to run whatever, whatever, whatever works for the club. It's, whatever you, you know, whatever you're told. About running with your teammates and be flexible. Yes, I, I've I've got left behind. There's a lot of lot of uh, old women in Bristol, but there's a group who move up to W65 just just ahead of me. So I think this might be a year when we haven't got our top team. You know, the, Jackie Hallett, Alison Simmons, Alice Bedwell team. It's a very strong team. I uh, I will be, uh, if that's anything like it, I will be picking you out as one of the, one of the favourites. Um, I'm just looking forward to um, what was so lovely about the British Middles a couple of weeks ago was was that there was an atmosphere there and people were sticking around and there was club tents and, you know, this yeah, weekend yeah. there's going to be commentary. I'm just looking forward to there being a big event again. Yeah, we've missed all that, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we really, I really have. One final question for me then. Um, what keeps you inspired, both in motivating to, to be good at orienteering and to give back to orienteering? <laughs> well, to keep on orienteering, it's just the chances to go to amazing places, running in places you just wouldn't without orienteering and um meeting up with lots of amazing people and i guess the coaching it, it it is great working with the youngsters because it's all you know it's all new to them like when we've taken a group of youngsters to yukula for example you just see them you know i know what a fantastic event that is but you see their eyes when they you know walk into that arena or see the start or or whatever or the all those army tents and things 
And that's just, you know, that's just great. Because you're, you're trying to, you're sharing something that you're passionate about with, you know, new people coming into the sport. And that, yeah, that, that's what motivates me. <laughs> There's not much better than that, is there? So thanks, Mark, and thanks to Alice and for, for talking to us. Of course, we had a little bit of a discussion there about the British Champs uh, this weekend. Um, as we said, Will, you're not going to be there, but looking at maybe who who's going, who would you expect to? I don't know if you've had a chance to look at any of the start lists. On, on I guess we'll focus very quickly in on, on the elite side, um, although, of course, loads of medals are going to be awarded there. Who are the ones you want to look out for? Yeah, I was just pulling up the start list in front of me, actually. Um... So it's a, it's, a, it's a tough one, I think, based on... I know there's a few COVID dropouts, so Alistair McLeod isn't going anymore on the men's side. Um, oh, that's a shame. He was going to be one of my one of my favourites if, he was, go. good, if he, he was in good fitness. Yeah, and I've heard he is in good fitness. So that's a big shame. Um, I would say looking at uh, the type of area, who's in good form, um, recent results of which there's you know, not too many of, I would say Alistair Thomas or Graham Griswood. Mm-hmm. Um, it would probably be my two picks for the men. Um, I don't, th- I, or or, or uh, um, Sasha Chaplin actually as well. I think th- those three are probably going to be the podium, um, the podium people for the men's race. Um, I can't really see past the three of them being being you know one two three in some way. And then for the mm-hmm. women, I think from the domination she showed at the uh, the sprints, I think she won every single round. Meg. Carter mm-hmm. Davis is probably going to get it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah for, I think Grace Malloy and Cecilia Anderson are both going to be there as well. I think Fiona yeah. Bunn, but Fiona hasn't been racing as well as we know her kind of her potential. So I'd see that that certainly Megan is definitely the the outright favourite for that one. But with but with Grace and Cecilia particularly um, trying to trying to challenge, I yeah. think yeah, they'll be they'll be there um, in mm. in the fight, won't they? I don't think they're going to be Absolutely. too far back. But I think it was just. The, the gap that Meg had at the weekend in the sprint races over them would, was pushing it for me. Yeah, you can tell she's putting a good winter. Uh, but then, yeah, yes, as we said, um, I think last episode, this is this isn't a selection race. It's not. Um, nope. You know, if it, a lot of the elites they're they're pushing for these selections, they're wanting to get on that coveted world champs team, especially because it's a sprint year. It's only a small team that can go. There's only the 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 sprint disciplines. This may be not featuring as highly on. You know, in terms of where where they're trying to peak and everything, um, but I'm so certain we're going to get a great set of races. Um, hope you enjoy it if you're you're heading down there. If you're listening to this on the car, uh, in the car on the way to these British champs, really, really. Um, I hope you enjoy the races, and it's great, as we said to Mark and I, to have just this level of competition with with everything that surrounds it and the whole atmosphere that surrounds it back as well um well i think we're going to be back in um a couple of weeks time hopefully with another um episode catching up on on all the results and all the competitions that have been going on so far they are coming thick and fast um but enjoy your racing wherever it is and we will see you soon Mm -hmm.